obtained adolescent boys. Routinely was provided as adolescent boys. And what was this asshole's position? Oh man, he was the freaking AG, yo. He was the AG before bar, wow. Well, what does that tell you about bar? Honestly, what does that tell you about bar? If Barr got appointed after him, do you really think they replaced him with someone who wasn't comped? Damn, dude. Wow. Check link, what's this? Ooh, interesting. Hey, look at this. This person did a great, you know what? Screw going through it this the way I'm doing it. Let's just read this. This lays out all the stuff and labels it by page. Dave333, good freaking job finding this. Wow. Good freaking job. So this isn't a review of the book that we're reading. Henry Vincent book is a must buy and read for anyone interested in politics and history of the USA in the eighties. Because of this book, I am convinced that George W. Bush number 43, uh, the younger Bush was having homosexual sex with gay prostitute, Jeff Gannon, who Vincent knew as a gay sex worker from the 1980s. Shut up. It is. Whoa. It is possible that Jeff Gannon was also being pandered to Carl Rove for sexual purposes as well. Unconfirmed scuttlebutt. And you want to know who else was pandered to Carl Rove, allegedly? Scammy Davis Jr. Um, I've, I've, I know I'm in Scammy Davis Jr. I forget his name. Ali Alexander. Ali Alexander was also allegedly a young sexual partner of Carl Rove. Wow. What does that tell you about that whole thing? Possibly. Dude, man. Oh, wow. Okay, let's keep going. Well, Radix sets up. Other big reveal. See, I, and I was getting to this one. Uh, this is where I left off. Uh, this guy says in his book that CIA chief William Casey was getting gay escorts from directly from him. Uh, and specifically that he requests like, uh, what's the word, uh, like adolescent looking boys. He requested very, very young looking boys. And I think he actually says he at first tried to get underage boys. And this, the author, Vincent, wouldn't provide young boys. At least he says he wouldn't. Um, but, yeah. So that's interesting, right? Because William Casey appeared in that Franklin scandal documentary. Was that, was that to try to preempt some claims about him? Say no. See, I'm a good guy. I'm. I'm saying, yeah, this is totally possible. Um, and and now they're trying to besmirch my good name because of it. Here we go. Uh, here's some other names: Alan Barron and Charles Dutcher. 
not they weren't massive names, but in the background, yes, Alan Barron, I think, was the former executive director of the DNC for a time. Where do we get to? There's Bill Casey. Here we go, Bill Casey. Come on. Where's Casey? Coke freak, CIA, Ted Koppel, Eric Severide, William Sapphire, all massive media pundits at the time. Frank Murkowski, there we are. John Glenn, there we are. J uh, Robert Newman, Elliot Richardson, and James Lilly, all ambassadors. James Lilly being ambassador to China. And here we go. Then CIA Director William Casey and John Mitchell, who was the former AG under Nixon, were personal friends of Spence, who frequented his soirees. But he later says more about Casey. The Washington Times reported that William Casey attended parties at Spence's house, and Casey and Spence were quote-unquote friends, but its reporters weren't aware that their friendship had a common denominator that entailed procuring gay escorts from me. Oh my God. William Casey, this is freaking George H.W. Bush's CIA director, started to phone me for gay escorts in 1986. Like Barney Frank, his preferred escort was an 18-year-old with minimal body hair and a slender swimmer's physique. Although he requested that I provide him with underage escorts, I told him that I wouldn't acquiesce to that request. He had bizarre requests where he would lay nude and splayed on a bed, have the escorts rub oil on his body as he what? kissed and fondled them. Oh. Never, never could get it up though. It was, he just liked to fondle and kiss them and have oil rubbed on his body. This is the director of the CIA people. 18 year old, boys with slender swimmers physiques oh and minimal body hair. This is the director of your CIA under George H.W. Bush. <laughs> Man, who later ended up dead under highly suspicious circumstances, by the way. Um, okay, I'm gonna leave this up and we're gonna go through this tomorrow. This is, wow, I'm really eager to read this. It looks like it goes all the way pretty much to the end. It's like a 220-page book, goes up to 199. There's Vernon Hook, former director of the CDC, who was a big customer, number of media superstars. Oh, you'll never guess. You'll never guess who this guy, Vincent, got uh, quote-unquote defended by in court during his court case. Greta Van Susteren. Yep. Before she was Greta. Like, before she was Greta. Like, with the TV show and everything. You gotta wonder how this lady ended up with a TV show on Fox News in the first place. Um, literally, very shortly after all this stuff went down, as, as I understand. Yeah, Greta Van Susteren defended this guy and, and actually did a horrible job of it. She uh, essentially told him to take a shit plea deal 
and and cop to the whole thing didn't really bother to defend him at all yep isn't that interesting oh was she really on cnn first Ooh, how about that <laughs> that does not surprise me one bit um I think Ted Turner was actually associated with Craig Spence too. I, I could be wrong on that one. But I'm pr pretty sure I saw his name turn up somewhere. All right, I'm out of here. And we're going to keep going through this tomorrow because there's clearly a lot more here. Um, wow, man. Good find. What was your name? Dave333. Good find. All right. I will see you all tomorrow. Bye-bye. All right, so we've got a lot to um, a lot to cover today, and uh, let's see. Let me go into the show prep. I just dropped the link a couple times um, into live chat for everybody. So let's go into the show prep. It looks like for now um, it's just me, no pinata. Hopefully, he'll be joining us in a little bit if he's able to. So tonight, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff, but I did want to show you guys this because uh, Ree and I made this together, and she's very proud of it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> so that's it. So you have fun picking out the little stickers and stuff that we put in there, and then we animated it. And it was our first time doing that. Wee! Wee! <laughs> yep, so she's really proud of that. She picked out this little robot and his music notes, these kitties, and... Um, these little flashy things and she wanted it animated so that was really fun <laughs> i spent 30 minutes doing that just to um entertain her so um yeah we've got a lot of stuff to talk about tonight you know what's interesting is what all the stuff that's gone on with robin hood and their attempt to um basically attack what was happening with the stock market uh, it's really interesting. You know, we also have to consider that Citadel, who bailed out Melvin Capital, Citadel Financial is Robin Hood's, one of their biggest, um, one of their, I think their biggest client. And so uh, we're talking about the Robin Hood app. This is a trading app. And um, it's one of the projections of how much money these guys are losing is something like 70 billion. No wonder he was crying like a little bit. Yeah, so no wonder the one guy was crying on CNBC News today, literally crying on air. Right now, there uh, are crowds um, outside of Wall Street saying tax Wall Street traders. They have little signs that say tax Wall Street traders. They've uh, gathered outside the New York Stock Exchange in New York City, so that's pretty cool to see. And it does appear that this is something that the left and right, um, the populist left and right, are able to agree on. 
Um, also interesting to note that Citadel reloaded their shorts before they told Robin Hood to stop training. That is illegal. One of the other things that happened was um, Robin Hood started automatically selling shares of GameStop for their customers, and they were citing unreasonable risk, but they started selling them at bottom prices. And they did this automatically, again, without the consent of the people who own those stocks. You can't do that. You cannot just sell somebody's stocks without their permission and sell it at bottom. That is highly, highly illegal. So there's already been, I believe, a class action lawsuit filed against Robinhood. Um, I don't know if it's going into this stuff, but I hope that it does. And I, I would encourage anybody that purchased GameStop stock um, to GameStop stock to, uh, to consider this. If you have Robinhood, if you use that for your investment, and again, um, just so everybody is aware of this, I'm not giving financial or legal advice. I'm giving my personal opinion. And so there's that disclaimer. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this what they're doing was highly illegal. You can't just sell people stuff, their stocks that they purchased without their permission and sell it at bottom. That's ridiculous. Now, uh, when... Saki, uh, Biden's so-called press secretary, when she was asked whether um, Janet Yellen would recuse herself from the Robin Hood mess after receiving more than $800,000 in speaking fees from Citadel, she ignores this. She didn't even answer the question, but just called her a world-renowned expert. <laughs> Yellen has also taken $7 million uh, from a firm with ties to the CCP. So that's nice. And so what we're seeing here uh, is, um, of course, Wall Street colluding with big tech. And this is to, in violation of SEC, I'm sorry, um, yeah, SEC and anti, uh, Sherman antitrust violations to try to stop the lawful trading by individual traders and investors. You can't do that. That's not how this works at all. So I think it should be interesting to keep an eye on that and see where that goes. Yeah, um, I see people talking about uh, Martha Stewart. Right, again, there's a selective enforcement of stuff you know, and of course, don't forget, um, uh, what's that senator's name, uh, Burr, who was, um, they were investigating him for uh, insider trading. He, they dropped that, the, the DOJ, as soon as Biden came into office, they dropped their investigations of all of these senators for insider trading, which was clear insider trading. So that's lovely. Of course, that it's all these people always get away with stuff, and it's always the little guy that gets shafted. <sighs> all right, so lots to get into tonight. The birth of Jesus. So, so Joseph also went 
up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem in the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in, clo- in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Okay, so I have... um one other uh, song to share with everybody. Uh, we'll get to that. I don't know why I put the psalm above the intro here, but apparently we're doing it backwards today. <laughs> the very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. You guys know what this represents? Well, you and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic, and ruthless conspiracy. America is governed by Americans. Infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice. The corporate media in our country is no longer involved in journalism. For them, it's a war. And for them, Nothing at all is out of bounds. Man will be what he was born to be. Free and independent. Come here, Bubba. Bubba, come here. Bubba. Bubba, come here. Come here, Bubba. Come on. Come on, Bubba. Don't just stand there looking at me. Come on, Bubba. Come here. Bubba, come here. Come on, Bubba. Fine. I don't even care, Bobo. I don't even want you here, I guess. Yeah, you just sit there staring at me? Weirdo. Okay. Bobo's ignoring me. Bobo's just looking at me, and I'm calling Bobo, and Bobo ignore me. Rude. 
I have a um, another uh, psalm reading that I thought was pretty good. This is um, Psalm 23, and I think it's by the guy who tweeted this out. Um, his name is Henry Davis. Hey. Make this full screen for everybody. Hey. Psalms 23 specifically says that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley and the shadows of death, uh, I will fear no evil, you know, because thou art with me. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Oh, thank you, Lord. I'm talking about some of them nights where you, you're just tired. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. The ones that hate you, go see you eat. Thou anointest my head with oil. Oh, thank you, Lord. My cup runneth over. Now, now, surely goodness and mercy, it shall follow me. Like, it's not going to lead me. Goodness and mercy going to follow me. It's going to be, it's, it's goodness and mercy got my back. Hey, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, when you dwell in the house of the Lord, that's when you go to the other side. That's when you see him. Amen. Woo! Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo! Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> that was great. That was really cool. Okay, so the first thing I want to bring up here is about China. Um, let's see. So actually, real quick, <clears throat> let me zoom in on this guy so everyone can see this. Um, <laughs> just, I have to share this because it's just so ridiculous. Yeah, so the, uh, the losses the losses on short positions in U.S. firms tops $70 billion, according to Ortex data. And that was uh, from today. Very interesting. <laughs> $70 billion. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's, you know, these people are thieves, and they have the market set up to to, um, you know, they rig the market, you know, they have it set up to benefit just them at the expense of everybody else. And you can also look at people like Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs has, um, they have been behind many of our financial crashes uh, and problems we've had in our banking system. Goldman Sachs. So here we have the Robinhood app in uh, March of 2016 saying, let the people trade. Ooh, look at us. We're for the little guy. And flash forward to 2021 today. 
in light of current market volatility, we're restricting transactions for certain securities to position closing only, including AMC and GameStop. Read more here. Who the fuck are you to have anything to do with market volatility? The market has been volatile since 2008. <laughs> what? What were you doing to protect market volatility while Jeff Bezos was making $13 billion in one day? Nothing. So here we see this collusion, the collusion of big tech, Wall Street, the media, the Democratic Party. And I really think that this could be one of the events that reaches people on the other side, you know, because a lot of times, unless it's something that affects them personally, they just don't get it. And this is what I said about people that live in like gated communities and stuff that live around the Beltway, the Washington, D.C., uh, area they do not understand because they are protected from the consequences of their policies they don't lose any pay they don't lose anything They're, they get to work when everybody else is shut down they get to work remotely they get to be paid even when they're not working they still get paid the average person in Congress and the Senate is making $475 a day. So they are protected and buffered from the impact that everybody else is feeling. You know, Joe Biden had the audacity to tell the people who are losing their jobs, their oil jobs, oh, learn how to install solar panels. Just like these fuckers told people to learn to code. Oh, and then the coding jobs went to uh, Indian H1B1. Okay. And so it's going to take something like their sons and daughters being shot and murdered by an illegal immigrant for them to understand the consequences of their policies, or it will take their own pension funds losing money in the stock market for them to realize what everybody else is being subjected to. Absolutely ridiculous. Well, like we, uh, like I said yesterday, um, the urgency. You, you you understand the only thing that these people will do is, and you just said it, is if it affects them. Look how fast both sides today came together. <laughs> you know, that, that explains everything, right? Mm -hmm. If it does, you're right. If it doesn't affect them, won't. And it's the same thing as the whole, you know, if, uh, you know, if you're not, at, you know, at the precipice type thing, right? That, that you actually find the will to change. Um, yeah. it's very true and it's cause it's, it's, if it doesn't affect you. Then you tend to ignore it. Yeah, that's right. And I think that, you know, hopefully 
people on the left are seeing this, how the Democrat Party and the Republican Party spring into action to protect Wall Street hedge funds who make a living, uh, you know, being parasites. They produce nothing of value. All they do is gamble with other people's money, other people's pension funds. That's what they were doing, by the way. They were using pension fund money to short stocks, which is essentially gambling. Yeah, I, I'm not, I don't really understand how they're allowed to do that because basically, I mean, you heard or you know the basic premise of it, right? Mm-hmm. Is that they shorted more than the actual the amount of stock that was available. So they like exactly. it was like two hundred percent of the company. You're, you're like, what? It's like how, so. Yeah. How could they all, do yeah, that? All those, all these, you know, derivative market stuff. It's just that's where. It goes because they're basically creating more money out of nothing. Exactly, it's a big scam. They're and, like they're um, creating a like a they're, yeah they're creating a bucket to siphon off real money into by by you know with the their kind of inflation of it with yeah. these with these derivatives. And these people, they are the parasite class. They produce nothing of value. It's just you know siphoning off other people's wealth and resources. What does a hedge fund produce? Do they make anything of value? Do they create anything? No. No, they don't. So it's upsetting. But I also feel really good about the fact that that guy was crying today. He called it an attack on wealthy people, like an attack, because we're there are American citizens exercising their rights. That's the thing. What they did was not illegal. This is constitutionally protected legal activity. Anybody can buy a stock. They can do it if they want. Just because you made a bad decision does not mean you get to change the rules in the middle of the game. It's absurd. There was allegedly a um, a Robin Hood insider, somebody who worked at Robin Hood that says the following, I work for Robin Hood, don't kill me. Low-level technical shit, comp sciences major, not finance side. Guess what we overheard today? Vladimir, yes, founder Vladimir and the C-suite received calls from Sequoia Capital and the White House that pressured them into closing trading on GameStop, etc. I guarantee you the same took place at E-Trade and the others who closed trading. File reports on the SEC page. If I wasn't scared to be out of work in a pandemic, I'd quit. I'm disgusted. We all need to rise up. This is as bad as it gets when we talk about how the rich get one set of rules and the rest of us get screwed over and over and over again, left to bail them out and pick up the tab for their trillion-dollar tax breaks. We need to pile pressure on every government and financial institution involved in this travesty of justice. I'm taking a massive career risk even posting here, but F these mother effers. Yeah, I think that that's a fair point to be made, 
um, you know, that it's constantly us that is left holding the bag for these people. And every time, every time they make tons of money, we don't see a dime of that. This idea of trickle-down economics is horse manure. It doesn't yeah. trickle down. These people hoard their wealth like the greedy little schmucks they are. Um, well, I hope they don't actually pass it, but I hope that they, they, they talk about bailing these people out right now. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, that as would far be as hilarious. Think about all the COVID and all the shutdowns and think about that. <laughs> I hope they don't do it, but I hope that they try to do it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know what else would wake people up. Um, and, and here's the other thing. And, um, you know, I guess I guess you could call this sort of like um, black-pilled or something, but first it was 15 days to slow the spread and then it was 30 days to flatten the curve and then it was well just a couple more months and then it was masks don't really work they're not really effective and they don't really do what you think they do fauci says and then it's oh no you have to wear a mask and then it's oh well we can't open the country back up until there's a vaccine and then it's, oh, well, the vaccine doesn't actually prevent the spread of the virus or, you know, it's like, and then, what? And, and, then, and then now wear two masks. <laughs> oh, now wear four masks. One of them said four, four masks today. What the, you know, it's like, you hang know, on, I hang on. I'm quickly, I'm quickly counting the number of holes on my body. Wait a minute. Wait, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, I still thought. I thought at some point, like I thought once we got to like six months where nobody's been allowed to work, people haven't, they've got to pay their bills. Like people are losing everything. I thought, okay, people are going to, they're, they're going to have had enough of this and they're going to start like, you know, making their voices heard. They're going to start um, protesting. They're going to start uh, engaging in civil disobedience, right? I actually thought that we would see that. I thought we would see people like going and, and, and just standing there like outside of the halls of freaking Congress. I thought that people would show up in mass to like Washington, D.C., you know, and, and kind of like demand that they open the country back up. Because we saw in other countries like in Denmark, these people going out, showing up, sitting out front of their, build, their government buildings and banging pots and pans until they got one of their stupid laws, they prevented it from being passed because they sat out there for like three days banging pots and pans and they got their, they got the government to listen to them. So I thought, okay, well, eventually, you know, people are going to wake up and this is going to happen. They're eventually, they're going to get sick of wearing the masks, but it seems like, oh, yeah, don't forget the anal swabs. That's the latest thing they're pushing. They literally want to fuck you in the ass. And, oh, don't worry, though. The four masks that you're wearing will muffle your screams. This is where we're at. And I thought, well, at some point, like, people are just going to say enough. But it's not happening. I don't know what's happened to this country, but it's just, like, it's insane to me. And, um, well. you know, I feel like as long as they're as long as people have their stupid Netflix and pornography 
and their Pizza Hut or whatever, their, their little $600 um, breadcrumbs being thrown at them, they're, they're fine. They don't even care. Like, this is what bothers me so much. Well, I'm looking forward to the, the future um, pots and pans assault weapon ban, you know. <laughs> yeah, right? Well, you know, look what they, they, um, they banned, uh, like, cutting knives in the UK, like steak knives. How utterly ridiculous. Yeah, that's because people were using them because they didn't have guns. And so exactly. it's, almost like, it's almost like people will do whatever they're going to do regardless. Okay, right. what to do, what to do. You know? Well, <laughs> eventually they're going to try to outlaw hands because, you know, you can strangle people with them. Well, I'm surprised they haven't. I, I'm, I'm honestly surprised they haven't made people wear gloves because that actually would have been more efficient than, than uh, masks. <laughs> <laughs> and this is like... We, but if you want to understand, at. like, here's, here's where I realized it. And it was back in May last year, right? Or April. I just like, I don't know. It was like the first two weeks, right? Actually it was, it was like, and everyone around me was still afraid to like go out. And, you know, I was being a little cautious myself because it was brand new. We didn't know what, what was going on at the time. And then I saw, um, then I went to a grocery store and then I put my, I picked out all the stuff myself. Then I put it on the conveyor belt. And then a person, a random stranger, checked me out, right? I wasn't using self-checkout. They're using gloves. Now, mm -hmm. they didn't change the gloves for, before the person in front of me, which means those gloves are already contaminated. Which means right? everything that other person already touched, already, you see what I'm saying? And then yeah. the credit card machines. So if this thing was as is, is prevalent as they say, where's all the grocery store uh, uh, employee shortages? Exactly. Please, someone, please, somebody explain that to me. Well, and here's the other thing. Remember when they, when this thing first came out, when they, when we first heard about COVID, I think it was like in February of 2020, and we started getting like these, um, these videos coming from China where they're like going down the street and they're spraying everything with like chemicals and they're like, um, like bolting people inside their homes and we're seeing videos of like just people in the middle of the street just falling over dead w why is it that we haven't seen anybody in america just falling over dead in the middle of the street just passing out you know, that is a lie i believe that this is psychological warfare i don't even think well i don't even think it's like what they're telling us it is I, you know, that's, that's an interesting take, especially because, you know, we had people like hanging on a door frames being, you know, being dragged into, you know, facilities, right? We saw some of that too. Yeah. People like using everything they could. And, and that could have just oh, been, yeah. they just didn't want to be detained because they, you know, it's China. <laughs> it doesn't, well, it doesn't yes. have to be because of the, you know, virus and related. who released you know? these videos? China is so tightly controlled and monitored. How do we even yeah, know? But, but, that but I think that you're were... right about that. That's yeah. what I'm saying is that because I think it set up the fear part of it, that it was dangerous. Exactly. So regardless of whether or not, you know, or what was going on there, that obviously people didn't want to be detained, but it made it seem like that they were just, it was so bad. It was against your will. Yeah. You they had, made it for your own like good. The, the virus was so bad in China that this is what the Chinese government was doing to contain things. Right. 
And this is how sick people are, that they're literally falling over dead in the street or passing out. And then we get these so-called whistleblowers that just are, they're disappearing, but somehow they, they managed to make videos and it somehow was allowed to get out to the entire world and China just allowed that to happen. Oh, really? I, I question all of these stories now, and I wonder how many were actually manufactured to make us scared about this virus and to convince us that this freaking virus or pandemic or whatever was real. Because I remember, like, everybody making decisions based on the information coming from China. Well, China lies. Remember the travel ban shutting down the entire airline industry, the entire global economy, and China is the only country in the entire world this year who is making money. Their economy is back to normal. They're opened back up. I mean, it's just like, come on. And we're sitting here like idiots now talking about anal swabs and four masks. Wag the dog, exactly. That's right. That's right, wag the dog. And uh, for those of you who don't know what that's referring to, it was a movie um, with Robert De Niro from the uh, early 2000s. And the premise of the movie was, you know, they're, they want to make, they want to go in, they want to start a war. And so they need some kind of uh, event, right? Some kind of false flag event or something to sell this war to the people. And so they bring in Robert De Niro. He's like some Hollywood producer guy. They bring him in uh, and he works with the White House and they create this film. And a lot of this is done with like, they're, they're doing CGI and stuff, right? They hire some girl, some um, European actress and here they have her like holding some little basket or something and she crosses the street and then they put in an explosion and she falls over. And then I think they end up adding in a dog or something, like a little dog in her hands or something. But it's like, this is the video that is then played to justify, like, oh, you have to, you know, we've got to go fight this war. That's what Wag the Dog is. And it's basically, this was a manufactured video. It's not even real. And so uh, I think that this is very similar, what we saw coming out of China, which was to, because look what else happened. When... Everybody starts freaking out about this pandemic after these videos coming out from China. China starts selling masks and um, PPE. They're doing it uh, with Australia. They had uh, marked up the price too. And it's like, oh, wow, okay. So they're, they're using this thing as like a total scam to get to take down everybody else's economy and they're making money. They're selling masks, they're selling um, PPE and stuff like that. Really? It, it's just stunning. And then we have, of course, the, um, the, yeah, China buying up all the PPE in advance. Oh, they just happen to know that they should start hoarding these supplies so they can then sell them at a markup. But now, oh, wait, now we're not allowed to say these things because Biden just made that illegal. You're actually not allowed to criticize China and you can't call it the you-know-what virus. 
because that would be xenophobic. God help us. God help us. How much money has he taken from them? I mean, he's just like a little puppet of Xi Jinping. And now here comes Biden to, to promote the climate scam nonsense and um, sustainable development, which is a Chinese Communist Party line. It's, it's all nonsense. It's all a scam. But that's what he's doing. He, that's what he's promoting. And of course, how do you think that's going to play out? China right now pouring money into the Green Belt and Road projects. And remember my last article on this. Because of the pandemic, people were starting to question China. Some people wanted to get out of the Belt and Road project, people that had gone into this. Um, and uh, a lot of them were defaulting on their um, loans and stuff. And so this is, we talked about China's debt trap diplomacy. But um, yeah, here we have China now using green Belt and Road projects. Renewables account for half of Beijing's energy investments in 2020, but coal shares also grow. Yeah, because China is just the leader in sustainable development and uh, you know clean energy. Really? Nonsense. China is the most polluted country in the entire world. They create the most pollution. Here's the other thing that people need to understand. China has a massive population. Uh, they, they are the biggest population country in the world. And um, they had to institute things like one-child policies. Do you guys remember that? Well, there was... Um, their unrestricted warfare, if everybody has read that and you remember what it talks about, they need to expand because their population is so big. Right now they're talking about war with Taiwan. And didn't I, did I not say that? That it would be, since they took Hong Kong, it would be Taiwan next. And then it would be, you know, it's continuing to expand in the South China Sea. And then it's going to be, well, they're already colonizing Africa. They're, Israel already turned over control of the Hafa port to China. That used to be controlled by the U.S. Navy. So what they're doing is creating this Belt and Road global system of trade where now you have to go through China and Israel if you want to be able to buy and sell. Jerusalem is going to be at the center of the Belt and Road Project, if you look at it, and they're going to be handling the financial transactions. The other goal is to get everybody uh, on, um, you know, to get everybody off of cash. We don't, they don't want any paper money. They want it all digital. So again, so they can control people. And it's just insane. So here we have uh, from the 26th, that's just two days ago, Renewable power has, for the first time, made up the bulk of China's Belt and Road Initiative energy investments as the coronavirus pandemic accelerated a shift away from fossil fuels, a new analysis showed. The, the share of wind, solar, and hydropower made up 57%, or about 11 billion, 
of China's total investment in energy infrastructure in 2020, up 38% in 2019. So it went up 38%. Gee, do you think COVID had something to do with that? It, it kind of seems really convenient for them, doesn't it? According to research from the International Institute of Green Finance at the Central University of Finance and Economics in Beijing, seen by the Financial Times. But the institute, which analyzed a database maintained by the American Enterprise Institute combined with other sources, also found that coal investments took up a larger portion of China's 20 billion total energy investments. So they sell to the world that this is all going to be green and renewable energy, sustainable development, blah, 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 horse crap. And so here's Biden saying, ew, we've got to do that, blah, blah, blah. And it, really, that's not the case. So he, he got rid of President Trump's uh, executive orders and all of the things he put in place that had us being energy independent. Now we have to rely again on the Middle East. Thanks, Biden. He rescinded earlier today President Trump's executive order on the opioid crisis. He had also, we talked about the other day, how he rescinded a President Trump's executive order um, lowering cost of pharmaceuticals. So now EpiPen and insulin prices are soaring. How can anybody look at this and say, oh, he's doing this to benefit America? Nothing he's done benefits the American people. It's all for big pharma, big tech, big business, Wall Street, China. He, he wants to do a $4 trillion bill when we're already $27 trillion in debt to give to other countries, not to Americans who are losing everything. How is this not seen as treasonous? That's exactly what it is. Yeah, it doesn't make much sense. I mean, you could argue, you know, that, yeah, it's just a dig back at him, um, you know, removing his policies. But, I mean, it's more than that, especially because it, it, those are good programs. Why would you do that? Yeah. It and wouldn't, it, it optically, if it optically does not make sense, then that means it's because the controllers want it. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I saw this video of a girl saying that her, her child's insulin prescription went up to like $1,000 and she couldn't afford to pay for his, his medications. And this is where I feel like maybe finally these stupid leftists, when it hits their pocketbook, when they have to pay $1,000 for their freaking insulin, maybe they'll start regretting their decision to vote for this man. And by the way, you know, they, they were all cheering, claiming that we toppled a dictator when they got Trump out of office. Joe Biden has signed more executive orders in his first week than President Trump, Barack Obama combined. He's the one acting more like a dictator than anybody else. Oh, and, and Bush, too. Oh, yeah, and Bush as well. That's right. The three of them, those presidents combined. He also is putting together a commission now to study how they can change the Supreme Court and the judicial system. This is, again, step one to packing the Supreme Court. It's unbelievable. 
And I really am disappointed in the military if they allow this to occur. They are willingly, knowingly giving up our country to China. That's what they're doing. Up from 15% in 2018 to 27% last year. The green milestone was reached as Chinese foreign direct investment under BRI continued to fall from its peak in 2015. Oh, look, it's, it seems like COVID was all they needed to get their economy back going so they could continue to invest in the Belt and Road. Last year, according to IIGF's analysis, Chinese investment to BRI countries declined faster than expected decline in global falls into emerging economies, dropping 54% year-on-year to $47 billion. Christoph Nedopel-Wang, director of IIGF's Green Belt and Road Initiative Center, attributed the shift to renewables to a realization from Chinese investors and host countries that carbon-intensive energy production carried both financial and environmental risks. Yes, appetite for fossil fuel investments remain because of a variety of reasons, such as a belief in the need for coal as a cheap source of energy or due to locally available coal reserves, Wang said. The large role of hydropower in China's energy investments further complicates questions of sustainability. Dams produce energy without emitting carbon dioxide but they often flood forests and other ecosystems that suck up carbon. The pandemic has strengthened a desire in developing economies to rely instead on wind and solar power. Unbelievably foolish. A number of countries critical to the BRI, including Egypt, Pakistan, Bangladesh, and Vietnam, are drawing up plans to ensure their economic recoveries are environmentally friendly. A pledge by Xi Jinping, China's president, to ensure China's carbon dioxide emissions peak before 2030 and reach net zero emissions, yeah, right, by 2060, has revived hopes that Beijing will play an active role, a big role in achieving Paris climate agreement goals. Yeah, right. Oh, my God. I just don't even know what to say to that. It's so absurd. Despite China's ambitions to be a climate leader, its companies and banks' willingness to build and finance coal-fired power plants remains a significant obstacle to a global phase-out of the fossil fuel environmentalist warned. At home, China's investment in power production is a similar mix of rapidly expanding renewable energy and an intransient reliance on coal power. China said it installed 120 gigawatts of wind and solar power in 2020, more than double the year before and nearly four times the UK's installed capacity. This is so dumb. At the same time, China approved more new coal power plants in the first half of 2020 than any year since 2015. How ridiculous. I just, yeah, China lies and the media lets them get away with it. In, this, in a similar vein of how Walter Durante 
for the New York, uh, New York Times covered up what was happening in the Soviet Union, covered up the gulags and the murders and the genocides, you know, and, and continued to present this absurd uh, caricature of what was really going on in the Soviet Union, trying to romanticize it so that Western left-wing academics could continue to justify their nonsensical... Um, you know, attachment to it. Absolute stupidity. All right, so the next thing I want to bring up um, is uh, just a reminder, since, you know, everybody's kind of talking about Wall Street now and, uh, like, the hedge funds, the big banks and stuff, I thought, well, you know, it would be a good time to remind people about uh, silent weapons for quiet wars, so let me bring this guy up. We're not obviously going to read this because we've covered this before uh, in the past, but it's a good reminder because sometimes there are new folks tuning in that maybe um, aren't aware of this stuff. So Silent Weapons for Quiet War, Blueprint for Totalitarian Control, Silent Weapons for Quiet War, dated May 1979, was allegedly found on July 7, 1986, by the late Bill Cooper in an IBM copier that had been purchased at a surplus sale. It is believed by many researchers, including Cooper, who was later assassinated by police in front of his own home on 6-11-2001, that it is the doctrine adopted by the policy committee of the Bilderberg Group during its first known meeting in 1954. Even if this is not the case, the document stands in its own right as a psychopath's blueprint for world domination by piracy, usurpation, and genocide. Oh, gee, what have we seen happening and going on? Silent Weapons for Quiet War, an introductory programming manual, operations research technical manual. Welcome aboard. This publication marks the 25th anniversary of the Third World War, called the Quiet War, being conducted using subjective biological warfare fought with quote-unquote silent weapons. This book contains an introductory description of this war, its strategies, and its weaponry. Security. It is patently impossible to discuss social engineering or the automation of a society, i.e. the engineering of a social automation system's silent weapons on a national or worldwide scale without implying extensive objectives of social control and destruction of human life, i.e. slavery and genocide. This manual is in itself an analog declaration of intent. Such a writing must be secured from public scrutiny. Otherwise, it might be recognized as a technically formal declaration of domestic war. Oh, what has Biden been talking about? A war on domestic terror. Hmm, a domestic war. Furthermore, whenever any person or group of persons in a position of great power, 
and without the full knowledge and consent of the public, uses such knowledge and methodology for economic conquest, it must be understood that a state of domestic warfare exists between said person or group of persons and the public. The solution of today's problems requires an approach which is ruthlessly candid, with no agonizing over religious, moral, or cultural values. You have qualified for this project because of your ability to look at human society with cold objectivity and yet analyze and discuss your observations and conclusions with others of a similar intellectual capacity without a loss of discretion or humility. Such virtues are exercised in your own best interest. Do not deviate from them. That's okay. really weird, the way, you know, because. And it, and it kind of explains a lot. And oh, yeah. I, because think about what we have. We have basically emotional thinking, but then they have this, this like weird logic or, or um, maybe like gate keep keeping type of behavior mechanism where if it's, it is emotional, but it's almost like it's reducing it to like, um, like reptile type like or animalistic type of behavior right. as opposed to be uh, as opposed to like actual like the, the human emotions that we think about as in you know fear and all you know uh, you know th that kind of thing mm -hmm. it's almost like um well no it is it's fear fear it, it can the emotional side as well but affects the logic but then here it's it's like a preservation type thing so they think oh if i'm in danger it's okay for me to do this. See what yes, I'm saying? It, exactly. It's a, it, it's, it's a, it's a way, it's a justification mechanism by keeping people in fear. If they're, if they're, they think as long as they think that they're protecting themselves, then morally and emotionally that they're, they're, they're okay with that. And that's, that's, that's a product of the conditioning that they've obviously been pushing. Oh yeah. So, they've been doing that for a long time. The, the way that was written, it just made me think that, like, they're like, wait a minute, that sounds emotional thinking, but it also sounds like cold-hearted thinking. And it's like, yeah. well, yeah, if you put someone in that fear state, then that's what you get. You get, you get what they appear to be logical and 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 uh, and, and and necessary and urgent of a need, coupled with um, the emotional aspect. Yeah, and that's how they justify their participation in such a thing, right? reactionary programming yes exactly um okay so we'll just cover this part real quick and then we're going to move on because we have kind of covered this before um and i did bring this up by the way in march of 2020 i wrote an article talking about continuity of government in silent weapons for quiet wars um i recommend you guys go look that up on our website uh, and just read it again because i feel like that article was very, um, very uh, spot on, I guess. And I think it's held up uh, in, in, uh, over time. Historical introduction. Silent weapon technology has evolved from Operations Research, OR, a strategic and tactical methodology developed under the military management in England during World War II. The original purpose of operations research was to study the strategic and tactical problems of air and land defense 
with the objective of effective use of limited military resources against foreign enemies, i.e. the logistics, right? It was soon recognized by those in positions of power that the same methods might be useful for totally controlling a society, but better tools were needed. Social engineering, the analysis and automation of a society, requires the correlation of great amounts of constantly changing economic information data. So a high-speed computerized data processing system was necessary, which could race ahead of the society and predict when society would arrive for capitulation. Oh, I feel like we're kind of there. Relay computers were too slow, but the electronic computer invented in 1946 by J. Presper Eckert and John uh, W. Mulchley filled the bill. The next breakthrough was the development of the simplex method of linear programming in 1947 by mathematician George B. Danzig. Then in 1948, the transistor, invented by J. Bardeen, W. H. Britton, and W. Shockley, promised great expansion of the computer field by reducing space and power requirements. With these three inventions under their direction, those in positions of power strongly suspected that it was possible for them to control the whole world with the push of a button. Immediately, the Rockefeller Foundation got in on the ground floor by making a four-year grant to Harvard College funding the Harvard Economic Research Project for the study of the structure of the American economy. One year later, in 1949, the U.S. Air Force joined in. In 1952, the original great period terminated and a high-level meeting of the elite was held to determine the next phase of social operations research. The Harvard Project had been very fruitful, as is borne out, by the publication of some of its results in 1953, suggesting the feasibility of economic social engineering. Studies in the Structure of the American Economy, copyright 1953 by Wassily Leontief, International Sciences Press, Inc., White Plains, New York. Engineered in the last half decade of the 1940s, the new quiet war machine stood, so to speak, and sparkling gold-plated hardware on the showroom floor by 1954. With the, the creation of the Maser in 1954, the promise of unlocking unlimited sources of fusion atomic energy from the heavy hydrogen in seawater and the consequent availability of unlimited social power became a possibility only decades away. The combination was irresistible. The quiet war was quietly declared by the international elite at a meeting held in 1954. Although the silent weapon system was nearly exposed 13 years later, the evolution of the new weapon system has never suffered any major setbacks. This volume marks the 25th anniversary of the beginning of the Quiet War. Already, this domestic war has had many victories on many fronts throughout the world. 
1954, it was well recognized by those in positions of authority that it was only a matter of time, only a few decades before the general public would be able to grasp and upset the cradle of power for the very elements of the new silent weapon technology were as accessible for a public utopia as they were for providing a private utopia. The issue of primary concern, that of dominance, revolved around the subject of the energy sciences. Energy is recognized as the key to all activity on Earth. Natural science is the study of the sources and control of natural energy in social science. Theoretically expressed as economics is the study of the sources and control of social energy. Both are bookkeeping systems, mathematics. Therefore, mathematics is the primary energy science. And the bookkeeper can be king if the public can be kept ignorant of the methodology of the bookkeeping. All science is merely a means to an end. This means is knowledge. The end is control. Beyond this remains only one issue. Who will be the beneficiary? In 1954, this was the issue of primary concern. Although the so-called moral issues, quote unquote, were raised in view of the law of natural selection, it was agreed that a nation or world of people who will not use their intelligence are no better than animals who do not have intelligence. Such a people are beasts of burden and stakes on the table by choice and consent. Consequently, in the interest of a future world order, peace and tranquility, it was decided to privately wage a quiet war against the American public with an ultimate objective of permanently shifting the natural and social energy, the wealth of the undisciplined and irresponsible many into the hands of the self-disciplined, responsible and worldly few, worthy few. In order to implement this objective, it was necessary to create, secure and apply new weapons, which as it turned out, were a class of weapons so subtle and sophisticated in their principle of operation and public appearance as to earn for themselves the name, quote unquote, silent weapons. In conclusion, the objective of economic research as conducted by the magnets of capital banking and the industries of commodities, goods and services is the establishment of an economy which is totally predictable and manipulatable. In order to achieve a totally predictable economy, the low-class elements of the society must be brought under total control, i.e. must be housebroken, trained, and assigned a yoke and long-term social duties from a very early age before they have an opportunity to question the propriety of the matter. In order to achieve such conformity, the lower class family unit must be disintegrated by a process of increasing preoccupation of the parents and the establishment of government-operated daycare centers for the occupationally orphaned children. 
the quality of education given to the lower class must be of the poorest sort, so that the meat of ignorance isolating the inferior class from the superior class is and remains incomprehensible to the inferior class. With such an initial handicap, even bright lower class individuals have little if any hope of extricating themselves from their assigned lot in life. This form of slavery is essential to maintaining some measure of social order, peace and tranquility for the ruling upper class. And so uh, you can read the rest of this. It's actually quite long and it describes how they use basically uh, alchemy. This is described social alchemy. There's these processes of controlling social energy and also uh, involves the automation of society. This is technocracy, eugenics, um, and uh, a centrally planned economy. That's how they make it predictable. This is also why they're so very upset by anybody moving in on their territory, right? Or doing anything that would, uh, that could cost them large amounts of money. So this goes into the industrial classes, the E-model aggregation. I really recommend that you read this because it, it, they look at humans as like batteries. And this describes that and how they view people, how they control uh, all the way down to like the household level of people, economic shock testing. This is certain things that they did uh, to see if they could get away with this stuff, um, things like that. So uh, economic amplifiers, input output, right? Again, kind of like um, social alchemy or social engineering. So anyways, um, you read the rest of that yourself. You can see it is quite long. We just got through the the basic introduction to what this is. But I do believe that we really are seeing this sort of like end game of like the capitulation of society, right? People being brought under the total control of the managerial class. <sighs> okay. Now we're gonna go into the show prep because we're gonna play a little bit from the World Economic Forum. This was from a talk by um, this gentleman here. Uh, I think his name is Ronnie or something. I, I forget his name, but um, he is an Israeli philosopher. They also have the woman from Bain Capital here as well. She's also an Israeli and um, it's called How to Survive the 21st century, this was Davos 2020, how to save the planet. But actually listen to what they're saying because they present it as like, as, oh, we wouldn't do this, but other bad guys could do it. But what they're really saying, I mean, just listen to it and you'll, you'll see what I mean. Just imagine 
North Korea in 20 years. Okay, this is what he's talking about right off the bat. He says, oh, just imagine North Korea in 20 years can do this, right? Well, who controls North Korea? That's what you have to keep in mind. He acts like he's just saying, oh, you know, what if the baddies did this? Okay, but who owns the baddies? Who owns North Korea? Come on. But everybody has to wear a biometric bracelet which constantly monitors your blood pressure, your heart rate, your brain activity, 24 hours a day. You listen to a speech on the radio by the great leader, and they know what you actually feel. You can clap your hands and smile, but if you're angry, they know you'll be in the gulag tomorrow morning. And if we allow the emergence of such total surveillance regimes... But they're already creating these regimes. They're already putting out these biometric sensors everywhere. So what he's saying is, oh, in 20 years from now, we'll be able to know uh, if you are just pretending to agree with the propaganda or uh, or if you actually like you know really believe it because he's saying even if you smile and clap and pretend to agree with what great leader dictator is saying they'll know based on your biometric data if you actually feel that way or not it's really disturbing don't think that the rich and powerful in places like Davos will be safe. Uh, I'm the chairman of Bain & Company and welcome to the session on how to survive the 21st century. It's not a new topic, uh, but it's really getting urgent. 18 years ago, Martin Rees, Britain's astronomer royal, published a book on the topic. He gave civilization a 50-50 chance of surviving the 21st century. Well, who's the ones running civilization? That would be you guys, right? Huh. So, oh my gosh. First of all, uh, I want to tie this back to what Pinata was saying, uh, how they put this sense of urgency, right? That's what she just said, that it's urgent, okay? And so, again, it's like fear-based conditioning. And so they do these Davos talks Publicly, this is the public face of the regime, but their private, like Bilderberg style talks, where the public isn't allowed to know what happens there, isn't allowed to see any videos from those meetings or read any minutes of the meetings of what is said or discussed. That's what they talk about in private, but this is the, the facade that they put out for everybody to see where they pretend to be humanitarians and they pretend to be just concerned about. You know, helping the world, but you can also learn a lot from listening to this stuff, but you have to keep in mind that they are presenting themselves as the good guys here. Today, he says his concerns have only grown. He cites new technologies and environmental catastrophe as the reasons. Well, don't yell at me, yell at the technician. <laughs> Can you hear me now? Okay. Should I repeat what I said? <laughs> Sorry, guys. 
Uh, well, first I introduce myself. I'm Arit Gadish. The order there is a little mis uh, misleading. I'm the chairman of Bain & Company, and I welcomed you to the session on how to survive the 21st century. Uh, I start by saying that this is not a new topic and mentioned that uh, 18 years ago, Martin Rees, the Br Britain's astronomer royal, published a book on the topic. And he gave civilization a 50-50 chance of surviving the 21st century. He published another book this year, or actually last year, and his concerns have only grown. He cited technology and environmental catastrophe as reasons. Now, being over 30, it is highly unlikely that I will survive the 21st century. And some days, especially when I hear about the uh, fires in Australia, or hear of yet another example of our data being used to manipulate us surreptitiously, I find myself kind of glad of that, but I fear that the next generations may live to see horrific things. Okay, so what are they telling us here? They talk about um, environmental catastrophe, right? So this is how they push climate change and sustainable development. Well, we've got to try to prevent that from happening. Meanwhile, they're the businesses, they're the people who are creating nuclear weapons, who are polluting the world. It's all them that are the causes of all of this stuff, but they blame it on humanity at large, as if it's everybody that is the cause of this stuff. No, it's not. It's actually a small group of people who control all this stuff, the ruling classes of the world. And again, she's from Bain Capital, Mitt Romney's uh, group. She's also an Israeli, though, just like Havrani, uh, the guy who started out um, speaking. He's, he's also an Israeli. But perhaps not especially if we start to really get serious about the existential issues that are coming now into plain sight. With us today is Yuval Noah Harari. He's a best-selling author of three books. The latest is 21 Lessons for 21st Century. He's a historian and a philosopher. He has thought long and hard about three existential challenges, nuclear war, ecological collapse, and technological disruption. Also with us is Mark Rutte, also an historian. He's been the Prime Minister of the Netherlands for 10 years. In 2019, the World Economic Forum Competitives Report ranked the Netherlands as fourth globally and first in Europe. It's a pretty good report card for a nation with some real challenges that are relevant to the topic we're gonna be talking about today. As many of you know, about a third of the country is below sea level. The Dutch are famous for their dikes. Uh, and they're also famous for the little boy who plugged the leak in one of those dikes uh, when, <laughs> until, uh, until help arrived. There are not enough little boys to just plug the threats that surround us today. But perhaps we can learn something from such devotion to a common good, which this is what it portrayed. To kick things off, Yuval is going to share some of his common thought. Thank you. So hello everyone. I hope you hear me okay. If not, just make a sign. As we enter the third decade of the 21st century, humanity faces so many issues and questions that it's really hard to know what to focus on. 
So I would like to use the next 20 minutes to help us focus of all the different issues we face. Three problems pose existential challenges to our species. These three existential challenges are nuclear war, ecological collapse, and technological disruption. Okay, so he's saying this is what's gonna cause our problems, right? And this is how they're gonna sell it. They're gonna say, okay, so, you know, we, humanity only has a 50-50 chance of surviving this century if we don't create a global government to control all this stuff. There could be a nuclear war. So we've, it's like, who created the nukes, you guys? And, and then he's talking about technology disruption. Who wants to be a high-tech superpower? Israel. Oh, his home country, just saying. And then they talk about a climate catastrophe. The other thing that's interesting is that they're lying to people. They're not telling them about the grand solar minimum, a historical cycle that they know is coming, where they know that the climate changes naturally as part of this cycle because the sun becomes a little bit further away from the planet. So they, this is a cycle that had been recorded uh, in history and they're, they're going to sell this, though, is like, oh, this is why we need to, to invest in all of this sustainable nonsense, which is, of course, their next scam. It's also, I think, to cover up the, the crashing of the financial system. They have to reset it because it's, it's falling apart. They're barely keeping the wheels on. The trillion-dollar uh, spending bills, this is all part of trying to just keep the wheels on the system that's falling apart. And so they're going to use all of this stuff as an excuse, right, for why we need to have this great reset and global governance. We have to wonder, though, if um, the, the whole nuclear scare and, the, and all that didn't work as far as getting them their one world government. Yeah. They had to, to, because think about when the whole climate thing scare started, started in the, in the 70s, right? Yep. That was after they had tried to do the nuclear scare. So they set up their next one. So, yeah, their next scam. So, exactly. So they let that go on, and then they were wrong because they're like, oh, it's going to be global cooling. Does anyone remember that from 1970s? If you, yep. uh, I don't because I wasn't alive, but uh, a lot of people have no idea. That's a thing. <laughs> that they were predicting this and predicting this and predicting this. You know, they get on you know, they get on cue about <laughs> being wrong about predictions. What about them? Their track record is worse. Yeah, exactly. And so we can see how they're going to try to sell this to people, though. And, and that's what Davos is really about. It's about how they try to sell their agenda to the public. This is the propaganda phase of this is why we have to rule over you and control you. Because, and, and it's like they, they're also, like you said, it's the fear thing and the urgency. We have to do this or humanity might not survive this century. It's urgent. The climate is so bad. We could have huge climate catastrophe. So we have to do this. And it's fear, 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 fear. You know, and of course, uh, COVID plays into that too because at also at these um, forums, they talk about, oh, the next pandemic could be much worse. Yeah, that, this is, you know, and he, 
ends up referring to people as rats, the lower class people, that's us guys, we're the rats. And so they're saying, look, we have to get control of them all, or because of technology, they could end up like, you know, overtaking our power. That's essentially what they're saying. They're worried about maintaining power. And um, so I don't know if we'll have time to get to that part, but he does say it. And it's really gross. And also, this was um, Barack Obama called this guy like his his favorite philosopher, and he was all giddy and excited. He did a little interview with Obama. And um, just the way that this guy gets treated, this is essentially the philosopher of the elites, okay? This is like he puts out the... Um, the explanations for their agendas in and in a, what they would think is a palatable thing that would make regular people get on board with this. Oh, well, we have to do this because if not, there could be a nuclear war. There could be a major climate event. I mean, you see AOC telling people that they have 12 years to live. It's like brainwashing focus on them. Now, nuclear war and ecological collapse are already familiar threats, so let me spend some time explaining the less familiar threat posed by technological disruption. In Davos, we hear so much about the enormous promises of technology, and these promises are certainly real, but technology might also disrupt human society, and the very meaning of human life in numerous ways, ranging from the creation of a global useless class to the rise of data colonialism and of digital dictatorships. First, we might... <laughs> okay, so you see what he did there? What he's saying is, He's, oh, we've got to be worried about these digital dictatorships. Isn't that what China already is? And yet Davos pretends China is some great, uh, you know, country. Oh, my goodness. It, it's just so dishonest. ...face upheavals on the social and economic level. Automation will soon eliminate millions upon millions of jobs and while new jobs will certainly be created, it is unclear whether people will be able to learn the necessary new skills fast enough. Suppose you are a 50 years old truck driver and you just lost your job to a self-driving vehicle. Now there are new jobs in designing software or in teaching yoga to engineers. But how does a 50-year-old truck driver reinvent himself or herself as a software engineer or as a yoga teacher? And people will have to do it not just once, but again and again throughout their lives. Because of them, because of the system they're creating. And don't forget, he said the useless classes <laughs> he said that. I don't know how many of y'all caught that, but I know Dizzy did. Yeah, he said useless classes. This is so disgusting. I mean, what is wrong with these people? And then just flat out saying people are going to be put out of jobs because 
we're going to go forward with this fourth industrial revolution. We're going to automate everything, and we're going to be putting all these people out of jobs. And so, oh, they're just going to have to teach yoga to the upper classes. What? It's so disgusting. Because the automation revolution will not be a single watershed event following which the job market will settle down into some new equilibrium. Rather, it will be a cascade of ever bigger disruptions because AI is nowhere near its full potential. All jobs will disappear, new jobs will emerge, but then the new jobs will rapidly change and vanish. Oh, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Yeah. <laughs> Just, you know. Uh. Whereas in the past, humans has had to struggle against exploitation. In the 21st century, the really big struggle will be against irrelevance. And it's much worse to be irrelevant than to be exploited. Those who fail in the struggle against- Oh, you won't be a slave forced to do hard labor anymore while we exploit you like we've done for thousands of years. Now you're just gonna be totally irrelevant. Irrelevance would constitute a new useless class. People who are useless, not from the viewpoint of their friends and family, of course, but useless from the viewpoint of the economic and political system. <coughs> and this useless class will be separated by an ever-growing gap from the ever-more powerful elite. Oh, okay. So again, we go back to the document we just read, Silent Weapons for a Quiet War, and you can see how this is it plays exactly into what they're talking about here and um he he is not saying like that this is an if if this happens he, no he's saying this is happening and in fact because we're going to have so much technology we're going to be able to like edit our own dna we're going to be able to create basically like a, a super class and you useless class are gonna be more and more irrelevant and the gap, the wealth gap, the intelligence gap between us is gonna just continue to grow. If you thought the wealth gap was big already between the rich and the poor, what he's saying is it's about to get worse. But don't worry guys, he's one of the um, non-useless class members. The AI revolution might create unprecedented inequality not just between classes, but also between countries. In the 19th century, a few countries like Britain and Japan industrialized first, and they went on to conquer and exploit most of the world. If we aren't careful, the same thing will happen in the 21st century with AI. We are already in the midst of an AI arms race with China and the USA leading the race, and most countries being left far, far behind. Unless we take action to distribute the benefits and power of AI between all humans, AI will likely create immense wealth 
in a few high-tech hubs, while other countries will either go bankrupt or will become exploited data colonies. Now, we aren't talking about a science fiction scenario. Exploited data colonies. And if you look at those little slides up there, he said that automation is, create, is going to create a useless class, just like Henry Kissinger calling everybody useless eaters. And of course, Israel is going to be a high-tech superpower. Remember, they are continuing the technology transfers from the United States to Israel. Silicon Valley is sending all their research and development, their R&D teams, to Israel. Microsoft has their R&D center in Israel, and Israel controls China. So what he, he and he's not, of course, going to tell people that. Of robots rebelling against humans. We are talking about far more primitive AI, which is nevertheless enough to disrupt the global balance. Just think, what will happen to developing economies once it is cheaper to produce textiles or cars in California than in Mexico? And what will happen to politics in your country in 20 years when somebody in San Francisco or in Beijing knows the entire medical and personal history of every politician, every judge, and every journalist in your country, including all their sexual escapades, all their mental weaknesses, and all their corrupt dealings. Will so did you hear what he just said there? I'm gonna rewind it so you can hear that again. Before you play it back, yeah. can you, um, what did you say? What was the last thing you said before you played this part? Because I, I was away from my phone, I couldn't hear. Did uh... you say that, um, that it, just the last line you said. Oh, okay. I think I was talking about the automation. Oh, oh, okay. I said about what's happening with the technology transfers, that they are sending all of the technology from America right now to Israel. Those tech transfers have continued. Silicon Valley is sending its R&D centers to Israel, and Israel controls China. But he's not uh, telling okay. people that. He's saying, oh, well, the U.S. and China are having this AI arms race. And he leaves out, like, Israel's role as a okay. cyber superpower. Well, I, yeah, I'm glad I, I asked because that, 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 that's the reason why it caught my ear was that um, when they say uh, the reason why, you know, they never mentioned Israel in the posts, saving for last, mm -hmm. it's probably because of that, uh, that aspect. Yeah, and because all of these, um, you know, all of these data centers are in Israel, all of the data analytics is run out of Israel, all of these sniffer programs, etc. So that probably makes a lot of sense. Um, and listen to what he says, though, about talking about like knowing everybody's secrets, like you're not gonna, they're gonna know everything about you. They already know this, but listen to the way he words it your sexual escapades, you know, all of your psychological um, weaknesses. Listen to this. And then also consider what Jeffrey Epstein was doing, right, in his um, obsession with uh, transhumanism, right? 
and also running sexual blackmail rings to control people. Oh, because once you know these things about people, their sexual desires, their psychological weaknesses, you can exploit them. In 20 years, when somebody in San Francisco or in Beijing knows the entire medical and personal history of every politician, every judge, and every journalist in your country, including all their sexual escapades, all their mental weaknesses, and all their corrupt dealings. Will it still be an independent country? Or will it become a data colony? They already know these things. Come on, guy. You yeah, that's what I was thinking. Is <laughs> In like, 20 like, years? Are they using... Are they using a, because um, the way you phrase it is like, are they using the technology that they they have? I mean, maybe they have it, maybe they don't, but using it to say, look, we can get this. Uh, we're actually spying and that's how we're actually getting it, but we're going to say it's this, this new technology. Yeah, that's you know possible. Like, yeah, wait, yeah, yeah. I, I know it's, an, it's, a, it's a different angle, but I, I just... We can't hear you. Oh, you there? Uh, hey, yeah. Okay, there. Now we can hear you. Sorry, it, the way he said it, like it wasn't. It was so matter of fact. It oh, was yeah. not like it wasn't like oh, we might have this. It's like no, of course there's going to be the sexual uh, medication, right? <laughs> yeah, and knowing everything about you, and he did. He also he made sure to say all the world politicians judges, journalists, and then he says, will you be a free society or will you just be a data colony? So they're basically telling you already like how they're doing things. That's right. what this is. So they're basically saying, okay, well, we're controlling countries by understanding and basically at data point <laughs> holding yep. them hostage. Yeah, that's exactly what this is. You know, they've got all these data analytics and psychological profiles on everybody. They have all of the data, and it's concentrated in just these few areas, right? This is why somebody like Jack Dorsey has the power to ban and censor the president of the United States, like he said, right? Yeah, and well, and I need to tie this back to, can you, can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I need to tie this back to the stuff that we've talked about and the esoteric stuff. When you when you really understand what a lot of the um, what would be labeled the occult type stuff, mm -hmm. it's it's actually deep psychology. Yes, exactly. And it's manipulation. So right. that's what this is. It's it's basically they're, you know they're they're ruling by controlling this psychology. So when he's talking about that, that's what they're doing. They're, like when you say that they know behaviors and this and that. Mm -hmm. That's what they're manipulating. They're manipulating psychology in order to elicit the response that they want. And that they have all of the, the more information that they have, the more they understand how to control and corral. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly true. And they've been doing it since forever. They've always had this scientific elite or priest class back in the or, day of the mystery no. schools. I mean, you can you can you can call them sorcerers. You can call them. Yeah. It, it's it's basically what it is. It's it is exactly literal what it is. by psychology.
yep, that's exactly what it is. Um, and so they, that's, they know what they're doing, but this is how they're putting it out there. You know, and in a way, I feel like it's part of their occultism, right? Where they have to tell you what they're doing in advance. That's what he's doing here. It's not like he's trying to warn people. No, he's, he's just disclosing this information because it's part of their occultism where they have to tell you what they're doing to you. That's what this is. When you have enough data, you don't need to send soldiers in order to control a country. Alongside inequality, the other major danger we face is the rise of digital dictatorships that will monitor everyone all the time. This danger can be stated in the form of a simple equation, which I think might be the defining equation of life in the 21st century. B times C times D equals R, which means biological knowledge multiplied by computing power, multiplied by data, equals the ability to hack humans. Ah, if you know enough biology and you have- Okay, so I wanna just real quick show what he's calling the danger formula. Biological knowledge, computing power, data equals the ability to hack humans. So this is what he's calling the danger formula. He also says that, um, go, go ahead, old boy, go, go. He says that um, we're just animals that can be hacked. That's what he reduces humanity to. And he says that himself in this video. Enough computing power and data, you can hack my body and my brain and my life, and you can understand me better than I understand myself. You can know my personality type, my political views, my sexual preferences, my mental weaknesses, my deepest fears and hopes. You know more about me than I know about myself. And you can do that not just to me, but to everyone. A system that understands us better than we understand ourselves can predict our feelings and decisions, can manipulate our feelings and decisions, and can ultimately make decisions for us. Now, in the past, many tyrants and governments wanted to do it, but nobody understood biology well enough, and nobody had enough computing power and data to hack millions of people. Neither the Gestapo nor the KGB could do it. But soon, at least some corporations and governments will be able to systematically hack all the people. We humans should get used to the idea that we are no longer mysterious souls. We are now hackable animals. That's what we are. The power to hack human beings can of course be used for good purposes, like providing much better healthcare. What? <laughs> of course, that would be the first thing he says after he's called everyone. But don't cattle. worry, guys. <laughs> it's like it's okay. We're gonna take good care of the cattle. Exactly. That's what he just said. Oh my gosh. 
<laughs> we're probably not going to use too many growth hormones and things like that. We're, you know, we're going <laughs> to. Yeah, just get used to it, guys. You're just a hackable animal. You're and there's a nothing, And there's nothing you can do about it. That's what he said, too. Yes, that's exactly what he's saying. And uh, but don't worry because you know we're we're the goodies. We're gonna make sure that you have nice, decent health. So we're just gonna hack you for your own good, for your health. Think about too what we've seen with COVID and this insane obsession with like losing your civil liberties for public health and public safety. Next, it's gonna be forced vaccination for health for public safety it's for your good you know it's insane well i'm, I'm maybe there's a a version of this video where it's just agent smith saying the same thing you know it's like <laughs> for your own personal safety it's yeah, inevitable right? mr anderson <laughs> yeah that's oh my gosh um, the, I see people asking for the link. The link is right here at the bottom of the video in the left-hand corner, and it's um, slide, I think it's slide 11. I will tell you for sure um, when we finish up here. We just have a couple more minutes to go. But, yeah, he. I want to get to the part where he calls everybody rats because that's <laughs> – that's just oh, the icing on oh, the cake. Okay, so I was being too generous then but with cattle, huh? Yep. Because <laughs> <laughs> we don't want the rats to get a hold of this stuff. He says that. I kid you not. The rats. Power falls into the hands of a 21st century Stalin. The result will be the worst totalitarian regime in human history, and we already have a number of applicants for the job of 21st century Stalin. Just imagine North Korea in 20 years, when everybody has to wear a biometric bracelet which constantly monitors your blood pressure, your heart rate, your brain activity, 24 hours a day. You listen to a speech on the radio by the great leader, and they know what you actually feel. You can clap your hands and smile, but if you're angry, they know you'll be in the gulag tomorrow morning. And if we allow the emergence of such total surveillance regimes, don't think that the rich and powerful in places like Davos will be safe. Just ask Jeff Bezos. In Stalin's USSR, the state monitored members of the communist elite more than anyone else. The same will be true of future total surveillance regimes. The higher you are in the hierarchy, the more closely you will be watched. Do you want your CEO or your president to know what you really think about them? So it's in the interest of all humans, including the elites, to prevent the rise of such digital dictatorships. And in the meantime, if you get a suspicious WhatsApp message from some prince, don't open it. Now, even if we indeed prevent the establishment of digital dictatorships, the ability to hack humans might still undermine the very meaning of human freedom. Because as humans will rely on AI to make more and more decisions for us, authority will shift from humans to algorithms. 
And this is already happening. Already today, billions of people trust the Facebook algorithm to tell us what is new. The Google algorithm tells us what is true. Netflix tells us what to watch, and the Amazon and Alibaba algorithms tell us what to buy. In the not-so-distant future, similar algorithms might tell us where to work and whom to marry, and also decide whether to hire us for a job, whether to give us a loan, and whether the central bank should raise the interest rate. And if you ask why you will not give a loan, or why the bank didn't raise the interest rate, the answer will always be the same. Because the computer says no. And since the limited human brain lacks sufficient biological knowledge, computing power, and data, humans will simply not be able to understand the computer's decisions. So even in supposedly free countries, humans are likely to lose control over our own lives and also lose the ability to understand public policy. Already now, how many humans really understand the financial system? Maybe 1% to be very generous. And look how like he's trying to contain his creepy smile. That's the other thing about this guy. As he's talking about this stuff, he can't contain his own creepy giddiness at it. Like he's trying to not do that creepy smile, but he keeps doing it while he's talking about this stuff. I mean, good Lord. And then he just says, everybody's so dumb. Humans are so dumb. Only a couple of us really understand this stuff. They're already so dumb. We just have to tell them that this is what the computer said, and it's so complex, you wouldn't understand it. The financial system, which is their pyramid scheme, is so complex that you just wouldn't understand it. Well, he's, you know, they're conflating... Mm -hmm. They're conflating um, like ignorance, like of the plums, versus yeah. actual capacity. Like, and and so they, exactly. they, they they've they've come to believe their own bullshit, basically. Yeah, they they bought into their own propaganda. That's what it is. Part of it is also a deep arrogance and self-importance. You know, where they well, believe yeah, it, that they're just that much more advanced than the rest of us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Good Lord. Now I want to go forward here to where he starts uh, talking about the rats. I think it's um, just a couple minutes up. ...bankruptcy. The twin revolutions of infotech and biotech are now giving politicians and business people the means to... Oh, and look at the symbolism here. That's another thing that we could talk about and spend an hour going over conceptualizing heaven and hell, the two pillars here of masonry. Um, but we'll continue on. I want to get to this other part. Maybe it's around the 18-minute mark. It's just so disturbing. Redesigning life, upgrade or a downgrade. A new era of inorganic life shaped by intelligent design. Our intelligent design is going to be the new driving <laughs> force of the evolution of life. And in using our new divine powers of creation, 
we might make mistakes on a cosmic scale. In particular, governments, corporations, and armies are likely to use technology to enhance human skills that they need, like intelligence and discipline, while neglecting other human skills, like compassion, artistic sensitivity, and spirituality. The result might be a race of humans who are very intelligent and very disciplined, but lack compassion, lack artistic sensitivity, <coughs> and lack spiritual depth. Of course, this is not a prophecy. These are just possibilities. Technology is never deterministic. If you are afraid of some of the possibilities I've mentioned, you can still do something about it. But to do something effective, we need global cooperation. Yep, here you go. All the we need global cooperation, global governance. That's the only way we can prevent any of the stuff that we're currently building. Three existential challenges we face are global problems that demand global solutions. <laughs> of course. Whenever any leader says something like, my country first, we should remind that leader that no nation can prevent nuclear war or stop- That was a dig at Donald Trump. He, he, he does that several times throughout this actually, because you know, you can't say America first. Stop ecological collapse by itself. And no nation can regulate AI and bioengineering by itself. Almost every country will say, hey, we don't want to develop killer robots or to genetically engineer human babies, we are the good guys. <laughs> we can't good guys. trust our rivals not to do it. So we must do it first. They always the do that. based liberal global order that despite many imperfections has nevertheless created the most prosperous and most peaceful era in human history. The very meaning of the word peace has changed. Peace no longer means just the temporary absence of war. Peace now means the implausibility of war. There are many countries in the world which you simply cannot imagine going to war against each other next year, like France and Germany. There are still wars in some parts of the world. And challenging introduction. And take over and rebuild civilization. Perhaps then the rats will learn from our mistakes. <laughs> there we go, the rats! Oh my gosh. ...will probably annihilate itself. Of course, even if we disappear, it will not be the end of the world. Something will survive us. Perhaps the rats will eventually take over and rebuild civilization. He's saying if the ruling class, you know, if something happens to us, perhaps the rats will survive and take over. But we don't want that to happen. <laughs> perhaps then the rats will learn from our mistakes. The rats will learn from <laughs> you cannot make this stuff up. I mean, this guy, useless class, the rats, uh, what else? Oh, hackable animal. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, and this, oh my God, this is only halfway through this thing. That we can rely on the leaders assembled here and not on the rats. Thank you. We don't have to rely on the rats. <laughs> Good Lord. And then they all clap like little freaking hyenas or something. Like, what is this? Why would you clap for that guy? He's insane. It's like psychopathic. And again, he's doing that creepy smile too, calling everybody rats that isn't the elite, you know? Oh, let's hope we don't let the rats take over. And they all clap. Very good. Very good. Thank you, Yuval. That was very thought-provoking and challenging introduction and pretty frightening. Uh, let's hope the rats don't get the upper hand. And with that in mind, let me turn... Let's hope the rats don't get the upper hand. Well, that's very telling. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Hey, we're at the top. Um, I put something in the... Uh, in the... Zoom chat. Okay. Um, that... it's, 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 this, is, this is life imitating memes. <laughs> it's slide eight, everybody. The link to that video is on slide eight of your show prep just to show you here. Um, let's hope the rats don't get the upper hand. Uh, you can see here um, the link, right? Can everybody see this of my, um, my slideshow? So if you just go scroll here to slide eight, that's you'll see the link down here. I'm looking. Right I'm looking. Hang on. Okay. Okay. All right. So everyone can see that. That's the link to that video. It's on slide eight. So you can copy and paste this link. You can share it. And please watch the rest of this because they do other um like they're they're again, it's like they're subtly telling you what they, what they're gonna do and what they think of you all right let's pull this up pinata real quick and then we'll pass this over very appropriate he sounds like he's dying as he signs away the lives of millions of children lovely well, well look at the busts behind him oh yeah chavez right <laughs> right but it's 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 doing the creepy joe thing behind him oh my gosh i have to see this <laughs> Former president has done, and that uh, a memorandum reversed the my predecessor's attack on women's health. Is he falling asleep? And so that's what I'm about to do. And again, what I'm not what the president is grandpa okay? <laughs> it's like. <laughs> It's like, but this I don't know. I just, it was just because of the bust. Like, like I can't believe they didn't think he of the looks optics. Like he's sleeping. Yeah. He looks exactly well, like him. I know, but no, but I mean, like the whole, like the the Joe uh, creeping around the back of people. You know, oh, when they right. put the meme sniffing in, sniffing them, sniffing right. them. Right, <laughs> right. So I thought that, I'm like, what? That was a really poor choice to put that there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Lord. they don't care about optics. No, and that's the other thing. They really don't care about optics anymore. And in a lot of cases, they're kind of just coming out and like, and uh, putting this out there, right? They're just kind of putting it in your face. Um, 
that this is like what they think of you. So that's nice. You know, the rats, we don't want the rats to get the upper hand or anything like that. I mean, God, could you imagine? <laughs> okay, so we're going to leave it off on here. We're going to pass it over now to Nova Gertz uh, and her, her team here. I just, yeah, that slide eight of the show prep. I'll My, the link for well, that one more time. Yeah, I just, hello, uh, everybody. <laughs> They're saying hi. I, I also just dropped uh, the links to my uh, tonight's show. So anyway, thank you so much. That was awesome. And tell Pam that uh, his digging tonight was stellar and everyone was loving it. Oh, oh yeah, I was, like, I was glued. It was like, oh my gosh, it was so much fun digging. With glued, it. I was glued. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Live chat loves fun. that. <laughs> so I will and, tell him. <clears throat> so um, you have a good night, Radix and Pinata, and thank you so much for everything you do. All right. Good night, everybody. Have a good one. Night. Good night. Night. Hello, Nat. Hey. Do you want to you want to listen to an Abby song first? Sure, why not? Let's start. Okay. Off. Hey, I had a really hard time getting into Zoom <laughs> tonight. Oh no. So uh, I'm in, but it looks weird. It's not the usual oh. Zoom, but you know, uh, let's still, see if I can. I still can't get into Gab, so I don't know what's going on. So, <laughs> okay, okay, I see what I'm going to have to do. Okay, this is totally different. I don't know what's going on. Do you see this? Yes, ma'am. Okay, uh, uh, but I hit the share and it didn't show me. Hold on. Hi, babe. This is crazy. 